Action Park Media. All right, welcome to Ramble on the uh, official podcast of the unofficial TV show, although I think it's creeping towards official. Things are coming, trending up, and and while this new show, which is interesting, is about second acts, is about, you know, finding your place in the world after you've had some, some massive success, we've got a guest finally, Sam Query. Tennis pro extraordinaire and a friend of the podcast. What's going on? Uh, not much. Just doing what you just said, trying to find my second life. Yeah. So you just, I mean, you just played, was it your 17th U.S. Open? 17th U.S. Open about a month ago in Fleshy Meadows, yeah. That's unbelievable to me because you still look like you're 25 years old. And how, how did that feel to play your last one? Um, well, thank you, first of all. Uh, it felt good. I, I made the decision to have that be my last tournament earlier in the summer. Um, so it was kind of like at that moment where I kind of clicked in my head, like, all right, this is coming to an end. I'm going to play one more. Um, and it was fun to play one more. I had a torn tendon in my arm when I was playing, so I got a cortisone shot. Um, I didn't play for five weeks prior to that, but with the cortisone shot, it was fine. And I went into that last match and just left it all on the line. It was, you know, my coach was there and was like, we're not, we don't even need a game plan. Just hit whatever shot you want to hit and have the most fun you've ever had on the court. And it was great. I wish I did that actually for the previous 17 years. I probably would have had better results. What, what is a game plan in tennis? Ted's, Ted's son's playing uh, some high level high school tennis right now. But, and, you know, I, I happen to play a little pickleball, as you might know. Yeah, so, on the what, side. Sure. What, are, what, are the, what are the real game plans? Are you guys out there that you're like, this guy's backhand is just awful? Like, let's work that? Like, tell me about what a game plan looks like in tennis. You know, everyone everyone's different. For me, I didn't, I didn't want a big game plan. I wanted to go kind of, I had my strengths. I want to focus in on one or two things that I want to do. If those don't work, make slight adjustments. Um, and then just kind of play off feel. But some guys want to watch a video the night before of their opponent and, you know, hey, when I hit two backhands cross court, he hits the third one down the line, and they want every little bit of information you can get. So it was just kind of a pick and choose. But for me, I wanted one or two little tidbits and then just play loose after that. I mean, you have one of the biggest serves in the history of tennis, which is crazy. Let's (laughs) let's talk about that. Do you you know the stat about him and his serve? I know all stats. Ten aces in a row? In match play, that's pretty yeah. impressive. And it was against my friend, James Blake, which made it a little better. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when that's going on with James, who's now a, a good, great announcer in the sport, are you, like, the way when you and I play uh, amateur pickleball that has no value to anybody's life, but to me has a lot of value, do you look at him while that's going on and, like, fuck you, James, I just aced you ten <laughs> times in like, a row? suck it. <laughs> uh, no, because when it happened, I think I was 19, so there was, like, he was still, like, James Blake and, like, a, a guy that I really, I still looked up to him, but, you know, a, a guy I really looked up to at the time, and I wasn't really aware of it because it happens over a three-game period. Right. So it was, like, you hit your aces, then he plays a service game, then you go sit down, take a break, then you go back out, serve again. And so what, after the fact, or, you know, kind of I, after I hit him, I was like, I think I just hit a lot of aces in a row. And I think after the match, someone came up and told me, hey, you just set a <laughs> so record. So it's not like a no-hitter where nobody looks at you or anything else like that. No. You don't even know what's going on. Yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware of it at the time. I Did just you knew win I had that a lot. match? I won that match, okay, yeah. Okay, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ten aces in a row, with, and I lost the match. So when do you know, Sam? I mean, uh, both Ted and I are both, like, embittered, you know, non-professional athletes who could not make it. What At what point do you think you have a realistic career shot to make a living at this sport and go do it? 
at what point, like ranking wise? Or no, just I like mean, like, are you in high school oh, and okay, playing gotcha, with like gotcha, our, our mutual yeah. friend Wes Burrows, and you're like, you know, we're both gonna go play on the tour? You're like, I think I could play on the tour. Like, what do you, what do you? So for me, we you know when I was 14, 15, I was good winning junior national tournaments, and and at that point, you're you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm gonna go play in college. That would be awesome. At 16, 17, you're, that's still kind of the goal for me. I want to go play in college. I'm playing some international tournaments. And it really wasn't until I was 18 years old, um, I was playing some lower-level tennis tour events. They're called, for people that don't follow tennis, challenger-level tournaments. It's kind of like AAA baseball. Um, I won three of those before college would have started. And then I won a round at a tournament in L.A. I won my first round at the U.S. Open. And so at that point, I was kind of, I had a lot of momentum. I had won a lot of these lower-level matches. And so in my head, I was like, I could do this. I'm, I'm good enough. Um, you know, then you get, you, you know, at the time I signed a contract with Adidas and Prince Rackets. And so you've got some, some money to kind of be a little more at ease with not going to college and traveling the world and playing. So for me, it was at, at 18 when I started winning some of those matches for, for other guys like Nadal, uh, Alcaraz right now, he probably at like 14 was like, I'm really good and right. I'm going to go pro. Some of the guys, it's, they need to go to college and it's after college. They kind of realize that they have the potential. So it's somewhere between 16 and 22, I would say, that you kind of know. And then what was your first match against a top 10 guy? And did you go, holy shit? Or were you like, okay, I can compete with anybody in the world? Yeah, it was, it was against James Blake. I got a wild card in the tournament at Indian Wells. I was in high school. Um, I played him in the second round. I think he was ranked four in the world. I won the first set 6-1. And I remember in my head thinking, I'm going to be top 10 in six months. Like, these guys actually aren't that good. Uh, there was then a rain delay. So I lost all the momentum. We went back out there, and he beat me 6-1, 6-2 after that. And it kind of brought me back down to what reality. What are the chances of a rain delay at Indian Wells? Right? I, I still think I beat him 6-1, 6-1, no rain delay. Oh. But that was kind of the first one. And then... Uh, Later that summer, I played Rafael Nadal in Cincinnati. Um, again, I won the first set and, and ended up losing in three sets. But I, I lost both those matches, but it was both against, like, top ten guys, and both times I was in the match. And, and mentally, are you looking over at Nadal the first time you play him going, holy shit, or does that disappear rather quickly? It, it disappears quickly. Um, at the time, I was practicing a lot with Andy Roddick, and in that match, we were on center court, and he – told me before the match, hey, if you win the first set and put the racket between your legs and do the bowl dance to the, uh, the sideline, I'll give you $1,000. <laughs> so I remember serving for the first set, that's all I'm thinking about. Because at the time, like, I won $1,000. Like, <laughs> and I ended up doing it, then I chickened out all the way to the, the bench and, and um, you know, didn't do it. But it, almost in a way, it kind of, like, relaxed me a little bit. I wasn't thinking about it. It was rougher than all. I'm thinking about, am I going to do this stupid bowl dance with my racket to the, to the bench that Andy's paying me for? But, um, no, because when you're... When you're 17, 18, you're playing junior U.S. Open, junior Wimbledon, junior French Open, and you're constantly practicing with the other pros. So I had hit a bunch with the top 10 guys already, so it's not anything new. Well, I was lucky enough that you you let me come see you play in Wimbledon. You played Chillage, which semifinals of Wimbledon, which anyone who's never been to Wimbledon, by the way, do anything you can to get anywhere in that stadium. It is such a special, awesome experience. But you were playing Chillage. And you were the winner was playing Federer in the finals of Wimbledon, and and you were right there. And uh, what a couple of things that I found fascinating. Your, I had so much anxiety for you. I was like, I felt like I had all the anxiety of your family box because your family was some of the calmest, 
nicest. I don't know what was going through their heads, obviously. But did you grow up in a family that just really seemed to support and, and hope for the best, or was there pressure? Um, no, mom, dad, and sister, all super cool. They've, they've come to a lot of my tournaments over the past, and they just sit and enjoy it. Um, there was never any pressure. I played all sports growing up. They just wanted me to go out and have fun, try hard, and do my best. And, um, and that's what they did, and they were all super supportive. And for that Wimbledon match, they weren't there for the, the first five matches. They took a, once I made the semifinals, they took a red eye over, and you know I saw them out on the, uh, the lawn drinking beer, and they came and watched the match and just enjoyed it, kind of like you should have more. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined it. I was so mad. I wanted to kill Chilich that day. <laughs> I wanted to scream like, fuck you, he's a, Chilich. He's a, he's a good player. So, he is a good player. Yeah. He, but just, I mean, he just lost in the final at Tel Aviv, is that? Yeah, to, to Novak. To, to Novak, yeah. yeah. But for me, I mean, it's, it was the one semifinal I made. And to not play Roger, Rafa, or Novak, um, it, you know, somewhat of an opportunity. Not that Chilich isn't a great player, and he's probably yeah. might go in the Hall of Fame, but it was... Uh, you know, when you look back, you're like, gosh, me, I wish I could have found so a way to close. win that one. Yeah. So, I mean, this this sport, it's such an interesting sport because you're not on a team and you have to go travel with these guys that I can imagine there's all sorts of personalities besides Kyrios. I'm sure there's all sorts of crazy shit you're dealing with. How is that? Is there is there a bond? Because I wanted to get into, like, how difficult of a sport this is. You, again, were, were fortunate in that you were good early on. But some of these kids, like Noah Rubin, who went to my high school, and I've spoken to his mother and Noah a little bit, you know, on Instagram, you know, he was, you know, one junior Wimbledon, and he just is retiring now at, like, 22, 23, because he's realizing he can't get to that next level, unfortunately. How difficult of a, of a personal life is this sport, um, and how was it for you? I think the higher your rank, the easier it is, which is probably true in all sports. So when I was playing the last 15 years, I always had my coach with me or a physiotherapist. My wife was with me the last seven years. And then the guys that I was really close with, Steve Johnson, John Isner, they had the same thing. So you always had a group of 10 people you can kind of hang out with, go to dinner with, things like that. I think at the lower levels, um, and again, this is kind of for all sports, you, you can't always afford to have the coach with you or a girlfriend or wife travel with you. So you're... Right. You are solo, and I think in tennis especially, the it seems like most of the good players get through those challengers, and they get themselves into the top 100 in the world really quickly. You don't see a lot of guys at 23, 24, 25 years old finally uh, crack the top 100. It happens in a year, they prove they're good enough, and then they're on their way. There's just the, It's just so rare to see a guy at 25 years old finally making it in the top 100 or the top 50. It's, it's such an incredible thing because the whole world plays this thing, and somehow, yes, these, this small group always seems to rise to the top. And what it, I mean, is it physical and mental combination, or, or what is it that, that allows you guys to stay and have these sustained careers that seem almost impossible? You know, I don't, it's a tough question. I mean, it's definitely easier when week in, week out, you're in, all the, you're in Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, the Australian Open, and all the other great tournaments around the world, so you're constantly practicing with and playing with the best people week in week out so there's there's no surprises you're you're getting 25 opportunities to win matches and you're just as long as you act like a professional do the right things you, you seem to would just you seem to be able to find ways to win matches and have enough points to keep yourself in the top 100 and, and keep playing them the, the toughest part like i alluded to earlier is going from 500 to 75 right that's when you have to put your head down you're you're playing in cities that are super shitty there's no one watching, there's no prize money, and you just have to put your head down, grind, get through it, and get to that next level where kind of, you know, life is good. 
And your wife, Abby, who's, uh, you know, I've met a number of times with you, great, great woman. She obviously, you know, is on this trip with you for a long time. You guys are together, what, 10 years now? Uh, it's been like eight years. Right. And um, so did she come to these crappy events when they were happening, or are you already passed that? I was, I was already good, yeah. unfortunately, you know. But yeah. she would have. So she I, jumped I'd like to on. Think she would have come to those events. And, uh, but she jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, she definitely would. I mean, the last basically seven years, we have two kids now, but um, she was traveling more before them. She... You know, put her life on hold, traveled everywhere with me, couldn't have been more supportive in any way I, I needed. Because, like you said, it, it is a, it's an individual sport, but the fact that I had an amazing wife and coach and physios, it, it made it feel like that you did have somewhat of a team around you to kind of enjoy the success and the failures with them. It's interesting because I was talking to somebody about it and, and looking at the top guys, Nadal and, uh, and Federer. You know, Nadal waited till his career was over to get married and start that family. Um, do you think it's harder in tennis? Tom Brady, we just found out, is Giselle's filing to, for divorce, and I've met both of them, and they both seem like great people, and I hope it all works out. But it's it's just got to be such a tough road for both of you to be in this sport where you're traveling so much, and it's, so much is unknown, and your your income is unknown from time to time, even though you obviously you made millions, fortunately, playing tennis. But still, you know, obviously, at some point, I'm sure you wanted to make hundreds of millions of dollars. So... Is, do you think a relationship is helpful in, in these sports, or do you think it's something that maybe, you know, it's the, you have to just focus on nothing but the sport? You know, it depends. I, I For me, it was helpful. I think for a lot of people, it's helpful. At the same time, you have to be a little bit selfish. Um, and as long as your, your husband or wife kind of gets that, which my wife, Abby, couldn't have been better, she got that. There was days where, you know, I finished a match at 8 p.m., and, hey, I can't rush home so we can go to dinner. I got to stay and stretch and do a massage and do media and you're going to be home at 11 o'clock and then we got to go to bed. Um, she she understood that the support was there and she kind of knew that, you know, the last six, seven years was, um, you know, the focus was kind of around me because that was kind of what was going to be best for our family. Now the next 50s on her. Yes, exactly. Now that I'm <laughs> retired and uh, we've got Is two she going kids. Back to work? I, uh, not that I know of. <laughs> uh, but, you know, now that I'm retired, I've got, we've got two little kids. It's... Um, you know, I had to get the okay to come down here for the hour to to do the podcast. So it's um, <laughs> oh, we're gonna figure wow. out how it works. But you know, she deserves to have things. The to mighty have kind fallen. Of, yeah, Keep <laughs> she deserves that. to have things be more about her now for a Keep little bit because it wasn't that about mantra. me. She yeah. deserves it all. She yeah. deserves it all. So I, you know, let's let's talk about this transition if it's really happening. Okay. Um, I like to, I used to tell people all the time because you made the semis of Wimbledon the year you started playing pickleball with us. And, you know, you played half-ass pickleball with us. You didn't really obviously make any commitments to it. But it, for us, it was incredibly fun to get to play with you and, and, and Stevie and other professional tennis players. It makes us slow old people feel really good about it. But are you really planning on making a professional transition into pickleball? I am, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Now, I, I'm not going to, it's not going to be like tennis. I'm not going to go out and play 30 weeks a year. I'm going to do it a little bit more on my own schedule because, like I said, I've, it's about my wife now. Uh, I'm going to try to play events that are closer to my home. I'm The Newport Open. Yeah, I don't know how familiar <laughs> if you guys are with it. There's, like, the MLP. There's the PPA. There's the APP. There's, like, three different leagues. And so um, trying to put something together with one of them, and, and I hope it works. I, I do like pickleball. I want to play. I think it's fun. I want to 
you know, people always ask, will tennis players be good at pickleball? And like, no one knows. And so I want to be the person to answer answer that, whether it's yes or no, we don't know. But I, you know, I've played with Doug a bunch of times, you know my <laughs> level. I do feel like if I go from playing once every two months, was what I've been playing last few years, to the, hey, I'm playing three, four times a week and practicing, I feel like I'm going to be really good. I feel like I could be top 10 in the world. But will, so... I, I I don't I don't doubt it. You know, one of the depressing things I, I've, we've talked about it on this podcast and Victory. You know, my my little battle with Marty Fish. But when I see you guys come onto the court, Stevie Johnson, we played with Marty. You, it's it's just it's it's humbling because we know we just don't have the athletic ability that you guys have. But are you going to train at pickleball? Like, are you going to actually like do workouts and just focus on this? You know, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what pickleball, I don't know what guys do to train. I think it's just practicing a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm planning on it. I'm planning on, uh, you know, with, with Wes Burroughs, our buddy, doing doing drills, figuring out the nuances, working on my serve. I, I You know, if I'm going to play next year, I want to be good. I don't want to embarrass myself. I want to go out there and be one of the best players. And so I um, – And you're talking singles and doubles. Singles, doubles, mixed. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to put the work in. Not like tennis the last – 15 years. I'm not willing to put that grind in, but I'm willing to put the work into improving pickleball and see how good I can it's get. It's pretty wild from, I guess we started playing together probably five years ago to see yeah. what has happened with this sport. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's really been the last 12 to 18 months. It's just completely took off. Like when we used to play, you know, five years ago, you part of you was just like, this is fucking silly. Yeah. Like, I thought it was, it? I thought it was stupid when I first started playing and, <laughs> and all the other tennis players. Now I'm still a little bit, Scared and say, "What are you gonna do?" I'm like, "I'm gonna play pickleball." <laughs> Somebody's got to get this name changed. I'm shocked that with all the billionaires that have come into it now and LeBron's getting into it, I, I just know, can't right? believe they haven't changed the name. It's I mean, the, the ownership group for the MLP next year is is like the NFL. It's like similar names. It's crazy. Yeah, but what's wild to me to see the transition, which is why, you know, you're you're gonna quickly get so good. You know, three years ago, even playing with Wes, I was like, I'm as good as anyone in the fucking country at this sport in doubles, not in singles. Now the level has just the athleticism and the ability to, to speed up balls that didn't seem. Because, Ted, I've been telling about pickleball for five years, and he's also kind of laughed about it. And, and now sure. I think everybody's really seeing, though, this can be a sport. I mean, this has to be a, an Olympic sport soon, don't you think? I, if I had to bet right now, I'd say it's in the Olympics in 2028. I believe it I, I would take that bet. But, yeah, I mean, if yeah, you just – 28, I think. In 28, yeah, yeah, when it's in L.A. When you just drive around America and, and you know, open your eyes to what used to be tennis courts and they're now pickleball courts, the eye test kind of just showed you that people are playing. Yeah. And um, everyone's talking about it. It's got a lot of momentum. It's fun. And – so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot and try to see what happens. And does part of you feel like, I mean, after coming off prof being a professional athlete and, and again, the Ramble on show is, is deals with a lot of this stuff, even though they're actors, but figuring out, like, what's next. Do you have anxiety, forgetting pickleball or whatever, just about, okay, how do you kind of match the achievements that you had in this sport or the joy, whatever it was, or the rush? Um, yeah, I, I do. You know, I'm... I'm I'm not looking to go do something and, and get to the level that I was at at tennis and whatever that may be. I'd, I'm more interested in doing something that's that I enjoy, that's fun, that keeps my mind stimulated. Um, and it might take a, a second, you know, talking with my wife. It's kind of like, look, I'm going to maybe need six to 12 months to go talk with people, try a few different careers out in different fields, see what 
see what I like, see what clicks, and then go from there. So I'm kind of in that transition right now of kind of seeing what things interest me and, and what I want to do. Right. Yeah, well, it's an, it's an exciting time for sure. Our, our friend Wes told me there were things that I had to talk to you about, too, though. So I, while, you, while you're looking, um, so what, what led to your decision to, to retire? What, like what, what drew it, you to that? It was a, it was a combo. So um, one, just that was, like Doug said, it was my 17th U.S. Open. I've been playing for a while. I, yeah. my, my body was just getting a little tired. My elbow hurt a little bit every day. My foot hurt a, a little bit every day. I was... Were you pretty injury-free up to that point yeah, in your career? Yeah, little knickknacks here and there, but I only I missed over the course of the 17 years. I I missed three Grand Slams. Otherwise, I played every single one. It's oh wow! Yeah, so uh, it was that. It was I've got I've got a two and a half year old and a 10 month old at home. Um, I was sick of traveling around the world. Yeah, 30 weeks a year, um, and quite frankly, I just got a little tired of of tennis in general. I've been playing every day since I was. 10 years old so i just so your I love of the game to, was just a little soft i mean what i just wanted to go do something else yeah i haven't you know the u.s open was my last match i played one other exhibition but otherwise i i have no interest in going like pick up a racket right now or anything i want to go do something else meet new people mm-hmm. you know try a new field it's exciting so, so yeah kind of all three of all those right. things. so some stuff just random stuff from west that he says i need to talk to you about is dan the intern and thailand tobacco what happened here Dan, the intern. So, for the Wes, who we're, we're talking about, Wes and Dan, we've been like best, we were all best men at each other's weddings. We've known each other since we were six or seven years old. So, my buddy Dan, who's now an attorney in LA, when he was in, he went to Vanderbilt Law. He went to Cornell undergrad and then Vanderbilt Law School. And there was like a year where he had off there. So he was my intern for six months on the tennis tour. And he traveled in between Cornell and Vanderbilt. Yeah, he had like a little little gap year there, and traveled with me everywhere. Uh, booked all the flights, did all the interviews, did all the tickets, gripped all it's the like, racket, like whatever. Your e. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was he was e he yeah. was e. Um, and so we were going on a uh, a trip to Thailand, and I used to travel around the world on these things called occasionally pilot passes. I I knew a pilot. I'd give him tickets to the tournaments. He'd give me free seats, but you had to go stand by. <laughs> right. So uh, we got the tickets to, to Thailand. He had never, I don't think Dan had ever at the time left the country, maybe been to like Canada or, or something like that. But um, he gets on the plane first. I'm like, I'll be on soon. I got to go standby. Anyway, the plane fills up and I just got a text. I'm like, I'm not getting on the plane. Like, Good luck in Thailand. I'll be there in 24 hours. Like, here's the hotel we're at. And he just kind of had to say, okay. And, uh, you know, fortunately, he's a, he's a bright guy. He figured it out. But I think there was a, a panic there. Like one hour for him, like he was on the plane, like, Oh my God! Like, I'm going to Thailand. I've never left the country. I don't know where I'm staying. I'm going alone, right. and uh, so we, we still joke about it to this day. But it was uh, hopefully that, he didn't have any weed in his bag. Not that I know of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're a big Broadway guy. I did not know this about you. Yeah. So I like, mean, a lot of our turn London and New York. So like, I'll go to like any Broadway play. So what? What's the shows? West is the talk to you. I about mean, shows. Book, Book of Mormon's my favorite one. I've I was probably seen say, it like you know eight okay. times. I was gonna say, is it Book of Mormon it's, or are you like a Cats guy? No, it's like <laughs> he's he strikes me as Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> Book of Mormon's incredible. Have you seen Book of Mormon? Yeah. I oh, mean, it's, it's just like it's laugh genius. out loud funny. Yeah. I, anytime someone says, you know, what play should I go see? I've never been to play like. Go to Book of Mormon. You're, you're gonna, I've never those, heard of Those are the guys that created South Park. And, yeah. You know, yeah. It's I, I like the mainstream ones, Book of Mormon, Wicked, Lion King, stuff like that. But I'll go, I'll go see any any Broadway play in, in those big cities. So does any part of you want to get into the entertainment business? I mean, obviously tennis is somewhat in that space. But anything, I know you're a big comedy guy. I know you're a bachelor guy, which is weird. But <laughs> um, 
No, so the guy not, who not really. Pastor something... every week. Oh, oh yeah, I mean I haven't watched it. I mean, I, I, <laughs> the last time I watched it was at your house like five years <laughs> oh, ago. There you go. <laughs> that was all because of Wes West, yeah, who's right. again yeah. super athlete and like you know one of the top. I used to be into guys. back in the day. Uh, I'm going back like. 15 years because we were betting on it. We like old school was like fantasy. <laughs> we had fantasy fantasy. Dress. We had the board up and we draft who's gonna, who's and it was the rose. Yeah, and this was before you can kind of do it online now. This was before that. We'd make up our own like if they get in a helicopter, it's three points. And they get the um, ambulance comes, it's five points. And we would bet on it. It'd be super exciting. But um, you they know, had a golden they, rose that the winner yeah. would get. A golden rose, like a fantasy football chair. I, I really? did this once with Wes, and I don't know what happened. Was, <laughs> fantasy oh League fell yeah. apart quickly. So I don't. If something comes up in entertainment, I'll do it. I'm not. That's not my feel. I don't know what anything is or yeah. what to do. Right, right. If if you're looking for an actor. Uh, I'll try. I'll, I'll read for you and ramble on. But, uh. <laughs> We'd love to have you. You, know? <laughs> you, you never I, know. Uh, I wouldn't have too high hopes for me. And, and so tell us last things about pickleball. But when you got into this sport quickly and then you play with like Ben Johns, who's right now the number one guy in the world in this sport, you played with him the first time. Did you go, oh, <laughs> it's like Roger? Or were you like, I can get to this? No, I did He's a unicorn in the sport. There's Ben Johns, there's a huge gap, and then there's everyone else. Yeah. And then, you know, the guys two, what, three, what four, five. What makes him so much better? I don't know. That's like, <laughs> like when you, you watch study him, anything and go, I see he's what he's He's kind of boring to watch. He just does everything right. He, like no, no mistakes. No mistakes. When he wants to put the bowl kind of right here at your <laughs> awkward spot, he hits it right here, and he disguises well. Um... He moves. But I think he it's, moves like, really it's well. like Roger. It's like Roger, exactly. They don't he, look like they're trying. He doesn't look like he's trying. You're Effortless. Saying, he's not that good, but he's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, was he a tennis player before this? Yes. I think all of the top pickleball players were tennis players. Were tennis players. Whether that man in juniors, a little bit in college, stuff like that. I don't, I don't know any top pickleball player that yeah. played. Riley Newman played basketball. Um I don't he probably played tennis though too. I don't I just think they all played tennis. He, at he some played point. a little tennis. He played tennis, yeah. You know, what's I, crazy is, Sam, you know, four years ago, Riley, who's probably top five, I don't know, top. I think he's like the second or third best player. Wow, right? yeah. okay, so he's two, three. So five years ago, Riley Newman calls me and goes, you want to go to Kansas City and play in a tournament with me? Yeah, you went, right? Yeah, I went. It's the only tournament I ever played in. Uh, but my point is, is I was good enough to play in a tournament with a guy who was number two. Now, I couldn't even come close to this guy anymore, but that's where the sport has evolved yeah. from because – he was significantly better than me, but it wasn't like, oh, I can't play with these guys. Now, like, even playing with Wes now, I'm just like, I'm just not fucking fast enough or good and enough. And I think back the- back in the day when we were all playing, we were all going at 80% to make you feel a little better. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> now, I do want to say one of, the, one of the greatest moments of my life, my friend Gala, who, uh, who built that incredible house I've posted before with that indoor pickleball court. It didn't mean anything to Sam and Marty Fish, who doesn't speak to me, which maybe we should get into for a second after. But we played them in doubles again. Of course, they're, they, they play once a fucking year in the sport, and Gala and I were playing every single day. But still, we won, and it was on uh, on video, so it is still yeah. one of my happiest moments. You know, I know you guys won, but if you actually believe you, th- you <laughs> we didn't let you win part of that, and you're crazy. Of course, I we will can play, never. We can play you guys I will a thousand never, times. We'll never, never lose. Believe that you let us win, but you know what happened. I, Sam, were you there the day that Marty stopped talking to me? Which is very upsetting. Uh, I I wasn't, but I no, I've heard the story multiple times. <laughs> yeah, it's just very simply Marty, who's your friends made that. I'm, doc, go- by I'm the way, golfing right? with him Thursday. I can well, if you need me to really? relay a Put message a over word. to him. Let me know. You know, apparently he won't speak to me, but whatever. I'll uh, let him know you're apologizing. I'm apologizing. I, I wish I had his athletic ability, but 
that apparently your friends made the the Netflix doc about yeah. him, uh, which is phenomenal. These untold stories, which you talked about the Manti Tail one, but the one about Marty, these are your friends from high school? Like some of my best friends from middle school and high school. And were they filmmakers when you were young? Um, they weren't filmmakers, but they were in the in the film industry, creative guys, and right after high school started, they did the um, the Battered Bastards of Baseball. There's is that Was that an untold was, also? No, that was like one of their first uh, documentaries. documentaries. And then they did the other one where they won the Emmy. What's the... Uh, from like the the Colt in Oregon, um, like a like a football. No, it was like a Colt, like in the eighties, and there was a Netflix. Oh, a Colt. Colt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, a Colt. Uh, oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Because Wes told me Wild Wild Wild, wild Country, which was yeah. amazing. By the way, I saw that doc. Really they so did it. that, and now yeah. they've done the Untold documentaries. They've they've got ten of them, and one is yeah, it's on Marty Marty Fish, and it's just an incredible story. Marty's not not only Marty's all of them. They're 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 amazing. They're all great, but you know it was an interesting story because I think we we talked about it on this podcast. Anxiety, how it affects your career, and and for Marty, it obviously you know he couldn't take the court against Roger in the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Have you? You don't seem like you have any of that. Have you ever had nerves like when you go into these matches? Do you feel like don't humiliate myself, or do you walk out and go, I'm gonna crush? This guy, like how? What's no, no, name? you have nerves. Yeah. I remember uh, in the in 2017 in the Acapulco finals, I played Rafael Nadal, yeah. and and before the match, I went to my coach Craig Boyne at the time and just said, I, I, I hope I don't lose 0 and 0. Like I'm <laughs> I'm nervous. I, I don't want to lose 0 and 0 and get embarrassed out there. Right. And so, you know, I ended up winning, but you, you won the little, match. I yes. won the match. Um, you know, but yeah, you get I get I get nervous. I mean, not like not like crazy nervous, but. You get nervous when I play, you play Roger Federer at Wimbledon. You're nervous. You're I mean, in, in that court. Wimbledon, no one wants you to win. How does that Wimbledon, manifest? Like you can't, you can't swing. It never like... gets that bad. It just, it takes a few games to loosen up. You got to do your best to just find a way, whatever it is. It's easier said than done to like hold your serve once or twice to go like one all, two all, three all. Because with every Something game you win, you just kind of like yeah. relax a little bit. It's it's when you go down like. Oh, it's 4-0, now it's 5-0. You're like, am I going to beat 6-0? This is, I'm getting embarrassed now. <laughs> yeah, I'm already so packing. <laughs> you just got to find a way to win a game or two early on. And that yeah. Wimbledon, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you beat Novak and and Nadal, right? Am no. I, I uh, The one that you were at in 2017, yeah. I, I Novak, beat right? um, Murray. I Murray. beat Novak the year before. Right. The so year there was Murray. I mean, when you, I mean, it's just like you, when you look at Nadal, and you look at those guys that there were, for whatever reason, there were four guys, Murray, who, who disappeared because of injuries, but they just dominated for so freaking long. Did part of you and the guys who were all awesome and, and top 20 in the world at this sport, like if we could just get rid of these four guys, we're all going to go to the next level. Yeah, I mean, look, right, like Roger's done, Rafa and Novak are going to be done soon. There's going to be a period here where there's going to be a bunch of guys that are going to win one, one to three slams. Um, you it's know, like it, after it, Tiger left golf. Yeah, you know, I think guys like Andy Roddick, he got one Wimbledon. Without Roger Rafa Novak, he probably has like six Grand Slam titles. And so yeah. those guys, it's it's pretty rare in any sport to have, it's undoubted, they're the three greatest players that's ever played men's tennis. Yeah. To have them play in the exact same era Crazy. is pretty wild. That Andy just doesn't happen. Pr- Andy was right there too. I mean, uh, Andy got to number one in the world. Yeah, the beginning. I'm talking one about Murray. Oh, sorry, Murray. Yeah. yeah, no, he's got... I mean, if he didn't get hurt... Five or six slams. Yeah, he probably yeah. would have tacked on a couple more grand slams. So you I, think there's a moment right now for all these guys that they need to capitalize. Is Alcaraz the next... Yeah. I mean, will he be as good as one of these guys? I mean, what do you think? Uh, if I had to bet, I would just say no. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's the so odds hard to are win unlikely. 22 yeah, grand slams, likely. but... 
I do believe that he'll be ranked one, two, or three in the world for the next 12 years and win a bunch of Grand Slams. And what, what about Tiafo? Have you played? You've played him. I've right? played him multiple times. Awesome guy. Like he's he's one of the he just has a smile on his face Love the whole him. time, and that's just contagious. So it's it's hard not to cheer. It's hard not to cheer for anyone just smiling the whole time. Yeah. yeah. They did they did an update on him on uh, on, on Real, Real sports. sports this week. I mean, it, it's just it's an awesome story, and you root for him. And I just wonder, do you think he he's got what it takes to win some Grand Slams? I do. I mean, yeah, he made semi semifinals of the U.S. Open, and I think he lost in five sets to Alcaraz. So yeah. if he wins that match, he's in a final, and you never know. Maybe he he can win, but. There's there's TFO, Taylor Fritz, Riley Opelka, Tommy Paul, and like three other Americans that are ranked between like eleven and thirty in the world. So I I think one of them, if not multiple, are, are can hopefully win a slam or two in the next ten years. Yeah. Well, it's an exciting time for tennis. I'm excited to see if you can help take pickleball to, to the next level. I don't know that it's ever gonna be a sport people want to watch necessarily, but Agreed, but people want to play it. Yeah. And and a lot of people are playing it, and more people are going to continue to play it. Yeah, so it's exciting. But uh, thanks for coming in. You're the man, and uh, I look forward to seeing what's next for you and and Abby and and West Burroughs. We just, uh, I just think we can get him to the next level. Still, he's the guy to watch out for in the pickle court. I really think he's. I think he's got all the skills. So we just got to get him that mental toughness. You he doesn't met have it. Oh, he's mentally tough. He's just—he's not a killer. He's just—it's such a—I mean. But Sam's also seems very nice. But I don't. We're know. gonna team up next year. We're gonna play doubles, and hopefully, two, are you two softies will make a killer on the uh, doubles court. I love yeah, we're it. gonna play some doubles. I love it. I love it. I well, I hope you guys win, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll catch up next week with some uh, hopefully some television updates. Some things like that. So ramble on.